Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning again, and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you, the pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church. We're at 11 Staten Road in Ackerman, Mississippi, and we'd invite you to come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. You can go to our website at macedonia-pbc.org. And also on behalf of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church and their pastor, Joe Nettles, we'd invite you to visit them if you're in the Caledonia area on Sunday mornings also at 10.30 a.m. And then we also have a worship service on Wednesday nights in Starkville, Mississippi, beginning on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. And if you're on Facebook, you can go to Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page, like their Facebook page, and you can tune into live streams there. We'd also invite you to go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com. You can find churches closer to you. And also be sure and download Grace Alone radio app, gracealoneradio.net, to listen to 24-7 Primitive Baptist content, sermons, singing, scripture reading, and very beneficial content for you. This morning, we'd like to discuss prayer and how we ought to be praying unto God and some important lessons on prayer. So we hope that you can stay with us here on the program, and we'll bring that message to you this morning right after this song. So please stay tuned here today. Remember 
morning again, and we're thankful to have you here with us on the Gospel of Grace. I'd ask you to turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 11, and we'd like to begin a series on prayer. And we feel inadequate in prayer, just like as the apostles did as they requested the Lord to teach them to pray. So we want to learn from the scriptures how we are to pray and the proper model and the proper pattern that we are to pray and look at some examples from the word of God of prayer. And hopefully we can just be blessed together as we begin to consider how we ought to pray together. Luke chapter 11 in verse one, and it came to pass that As he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. I can only imagine how inadequate the apostles felt when they heard the second person of the Godhead, God the Son, praying unto God the Father. I can just imagine the fervency and the depth and the spirit and the passion with which Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead, prayed unto God the Father. And these mortal men, just like me and you, these apostles, heard Jesus praying unto God the Father, and they felt inadequate. They felt very unworthy in their prayers, which led them to request, ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. In other words, there is something that's lacking in our prayer life, and Lord, teach us how we can do it better. Lord, teach us to pray. And I believe if we're all honest with one another, we are all not as fervent, not as devoted, not as sincere, not as spirited in our prayers as we desire to be. And I hope our time together consider prayer here on the program can give us a zeal and a fire and a passion for prayer. So the apostles felt inadequate in their prayers and they needed instruction. They needed instruction from the capital W Word of God for how they needed to pray. And now we can learn instruction from the written Word of God as he gave us a pattern for how we are to pray as well. So what was Jesus' response for how they were to pray? Lord, teach us to pray was the request was the prayer of the disciples, and Jesus gives them the model prayer or the disciples' prayer. Luke chapter 11 and in verse 2, when ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, this model prayer is more commonly quoted, more commonly read from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. And we'd like to make our way over there to Matthew chapter 6. So the apostles requested for Jesus to teach them how to pray, and Jesus taught them how to pray. He gave them appropriate instruction for how they needed to pray. We see the same similar passage. This is not describing the same event, but Jesus taught them how to pray in the Sermon on the Mount, and then he later reiterated this in Luke chapter 11 at a later time when they requested him to teach them how to pray. And we know this account probably more familiar from Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this 
day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Very similar language from Luke chapter 11. Minorly different, but very similar. And we want to primarily consider the model prayer, the disciples' prayer here from Matthew chapter 6. But you'll notice in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6, after this manner, therefore pray ye, therefore, which leads us back to the verses leading up to verse 9, verses 5 to 8, which describes a secret devotion in prayer. And that's what we want to focus on this morning. And then, Lord willing, in the weeks to come, we will make our way to the model prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples. So here on the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is tearing down the supposed pretense of religion here in first century Judea. You have heard that this is what you're supposed to do, but I say unto you. In other words, this is the general disposition of religion in the world today, but this is the manner of sincere, devoted, humble discipleship and Christianity. So now he makes his way in Matthew chapter 6 contrasting, again, this is what you not just hear, but what you see in people that are deemed to be religious, this outward show of religion, but instead he describes heartfelt, true, sincere devotion to God is not displayed externally for the vision or for the approval of men or for the applause of men, but true, sincere, authentic Christianity, true, sincere, authentic discipleship starts in secret and starts in the heart. So he starts in Matthew chapter 6 and describes almsgiving, giving to those that are in need, not simply your contribution to your local church. That's your responsibility as being a member of the church to contribute to the financial needs of that body and of that assembly. But we also have a scriptural responsibility to help those that are in need. And that is what alms is describing, helping those that are in need, especially during this time where you had these group of people that all they had to do, the only, their only hope of having a meal was to beg. And they were dependent upon the charity, depending upon the almsgiving of other people. He says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, but thine alms may be seen in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. So he's contrasting, this is what you're used to thinking that true religion is. These doctors of the law, these Pharisees, these scribes, they go out and they make sure they blow a trumpet. They make sure they make a big announcement and pronouncement when they're going to give to a beggar. No, he says, you need to be so active in giving to other people. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. You need to be doing that in secret, not for the praise and the attention and the applause of men. He says, look, they have their reward. They want to be bragged on. They want to be praised by men and they get praise of men. They get exactly what they want. But what you want is not to get praise of men. What you want is for that person to be helped and for God to be praised. And if you give in secret, then God will be praised. So he's first introducing almsgiving and saying, you don't need to do it in a public show and what you're used to seeing with the Pharisees. Instead, 
He's describing a secret, private devotion to God. So he describes that private, secret devotion to God in almsgiving, and now he moves to a private, secret devotion to God in prayer. Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. They get exactly what they're looking for. They want the praise of men, and they're getting it. But thou, speaking to the disciples, this is the disciples' responsibility, the Christian's responsibility. But thou, when you pray, go into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. And then we make our way to verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye. And Jesus gives the model prayer to the disciples. So Jesus describes a private, secret, closet devotion to God in prayer. And as we see, these Pharisees that are called hypocrites, they have an external show of religion, but they're not truly seeking to worship God. They're not truly seeking to praise God. Instead, they want the praise of men. And if you pray in a public way for the praise of men, then most likely you're going to get what you're seeking. And that's what they were seeking. They were not seeking a true communion and fellowship and devotion to God in prayer. Instead, they were seeking someone to brag on them to say, wow, look how pious he is. Look how religious he is with those big flowery mosaic law words that he used in his prayer. No, true devotion, true discipleship is who we are in secret, who we are in private. And something that we hope to expound on in this series on prayer is we will never be more useful in the kingdom than we are in our secret, private devotion to God in secret, not in public. We can only be useful to God in public if we seek God fervently in private, in our closet, in our private devotion. And it's become very evident to me that if I'm weak in the kingdom, and I feel to be very weak in the kingdom, I hope that God's used me a little bit, but I feel to be very weak in the kingdom. And if I'm weak in the kingdom, it's because I'm weak in my prayers. If I'm weak in the kingdom, it's because I'm weak on my knees. And the Apostle Paul was a giant in prayer. He was praying always for the church, praying always for all these people that hopefully we can dig into a little bit later. He was a giant in prayer, and therefore he was a giant in the kingdom. And if I'm a weakling in the kingdom, I'm a weakling in the kingdom because I'm a weakling in prayer. I'm a weakling in my private devotion to God. You will never ascend in public in the kingdom of God beyond your private devotion to God, and particularly your private closet devotion to God in prayer. So you see these men that wanted the praise of men, and they got it. He says, but the disciple, the authentic, sincere Christian, the disciple of Christ, 
When you pray, you enter into your closet. And your closet doesn't have to be the place where you hang clothes. I think maybe the best closet time that I've ever had with the Lord in prayer was my vehicle when I used to have a 40 to 50 minute commute to work. Now I only have a 10 minute commute to work and it's mostly filled with stoplights where I'm not able to think more about the things of God. I have to be paying attention to the road a little bit more. But I think some of the best time of closet time that I've had with the Lord in prayer is in my car. You know, a closet speaks of seclusion. The closet there in your King James Bible center column reference, a closet could be rendered an inner room. In other words, a place where it's just you. And we all need to have that closet place. We all need to have that area. And it's not as much about location as it is mentality. And that's that's why I say the, the some of the best closet time I've ever had in prayer it was not in a physical closet. It was in my truck because that was the place where my mind was blocked off from the things of the world. I wasn't listening to anyone else. I was by myself. I wasn't having inter- any interactions with anyone on my phone. Instead, it was just me and the Lord. And I could talk to the Lord freely and I could pray unto the Lord freely. And I'm not having my eyes closed there. I'm not down on my knees, but it's a place of concentration. It's a place of focus in the mind with just me and the Lord. And the reason why that's so important is because we're so busy. We are so busy going in a jillion different directions, 90 miles an hour everywhere we go. And we can go through the motions. We can go through the activity of discipleship. We can go through the activity of Christianity, but your activity of Christianity will never be more profitable than your secret, closet, private devotion to God. And that's why we need to focus on this because we need that ability to recharge. We need that ability to speak with God in prayer. And you have to have that quiet time. You have to have that closet setting to be able to have quietness to listen to God. You know, Psalm chapter 46 and in verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. You know, it takes us getting still and getting quiet for a minute before we can hear God speak to us in our soul and in our heart. You know, when Samuel was a young child and he was being called by God, he was not yet in tune with the Holy Spirit and he thought that Eli was calling him and he goes multiple times to Eli and then Eli finally discerns that it's the Lord speaking to him. And then finally he says, okay, Samuel, the next time you hear that, you say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. You know, we typically only want to go one way in prayer. We just want to tell all of our burdens to the Lord. We want to dump all of our dirty laundry on the Lord and say, all right, here's my dirty laundry. You put it in the washing machine. You clean it up and I'll pick it back up once you've cleaned everything up. We treat God like a laundromat, don't we? We dump all of our dirty laundry on him and we expect him to clean it up. Well, that's not the proper posture in prayer. We need to learn that. That's not the proper posture in prayer. Instead, we say, Lord, speak for thy servant heareth. You know, we tell him all of our problems, but you know what? Prayer is supposed to be a two-way communication with God. We want to speak with God as a friend speaks to another friend. We want to have that intimate communion and fellowship with God where we can speak to him openly like our father, right? He is our father. And you should have a closeness of relationship with your father where you can tell him anything. But guess what? You're also going to listen to the counsel of your father. So many times we approach God in prayer and we only just want to tell him our problems. Well, you know what? 
You need to unburden yourself. Praise God that he can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And we need to come before the throne of grace and offer our infirmities unto him. But we also need to listen. Prayer is a two-way communication. It's not only a one-way communication. We need to speak to the Lord, but we also need to listen. We need to pray the same prayer that Samuel prayed and say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Lord, speak to my heart. Burden my heart. Burden my heart through your word. Speak to me through the preaching of your gospel and my private devotion and reading of God's word. Which, by the way, that's why you need to be, most likely, when you go into that closet, You need to be spending time daily in God's Word. You need to be spending time by yourself daily in God's Word. Why? Because you need that quiet time. You need to decompress. You need to remove yourself from all the distractions of this world so God can speak to you through the burdens of your heart, through prayer, and through His Word. We see in 1 Kings chapter 19 that Elijah's down in the dumps. He's just killed all these prophets of Baal, but then Jezebel threatens him, and he runs like a scared little dog. And a couple days after he called down fire from heaven and killed all those prophets, just a couple days after that, he's saying, Lord, take my life. I'm the only one left. Life ain't even worth living anymore. And the Lord gives him some encouragement. He gives him a good meal to eat. He lets him get a rest, gets a good sleep. And that's a lot of times what we need when we're depressed and we're thinking foolish thoughts like Elijah. But the Lord spoke to Elijah. But how did the Lord speak to him? It says in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 11, The Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rock before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in an earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But what was the Lord in? He was in a still, small voice. Now, I want to tell you, (laughs) are you going to hear a still, small voice when you are at a rock concert? Are you going to hear a still, small voice when you are in all of the horns honking in traffic on the interstate? (laughs) Are you going to hear a still, small voice in the busyness and the noise of this world? You want to know where you're going to hear God speak to you in a still, small voice? In your closet in prayer. This is why it's so important. Our communication with God is going to be in New Testament church times today. It's not going to be through a dream. It's not going to be God the Father speaking from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's not how God speaks to his people today. He speaks to us in prayer. He speaks to us through his word. And that's why it just needs to be you and the Lord. That's why it just needs to be you and the Lord in that closet so you can have communication and fellowship with him. And you need to be reading God's word as you're praying. Say, Lord, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Pray the prayer from Psalm 119. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And I can't tell you how many prayers I've had answered by me reading God's word in conjunction with prayer. The Lord guides my thoughts. He guides my flipping of the pages, I believe, literally. And and I've arrived at just the right verse to give me an answer for the prayer that I'm praying. If you're not spending time in prayer and reading God's word in your closet, then you're prayers for God's will to be done in your life, you are not silencing this world to where you can hear God's still small voice speaking to you. 
you need to have that private closet devotion to God. And God says he sees in secret. You need that communion and fellowship with just you and him. He says in verse 7, When you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. You know, I think about this <laughs> in First Kings 18. Those prophets of Baal, they had these chants, and they're repeating the same thing over and over and over again. You know, you think about Acts chapter 19, where those that were worshiping in the temple of Diana, and they were just chanting for hours upon hours, great is Diana of the Ephesians. You see, that those are vain repetitions, he says, that the heathen do. Now, when he says, don't make vain repetitions, that doesn't mean that we don't repeat things in prayer. Well, no, we need to be fervent in prayer. We need to bring our petitions back before the Lord. But we don't just repeat the same thing over and over and over again mindlessly. That's a vain repetition, okay? That doesn't mean we can't be repetitious in prayer. Jesus prayed the exact same prayer three times in the Garden of Gethsemane didn't he? Lord, if it be thy will, take this cup from me. We see the example of the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18. She showed up at the unjust judge's house so many times, he finally said, you know what? I'm just going to give her what she wants, so you just leave me alone. That shows persistence, right? That shows persistence in prayer. So that doesn't mean that we don't repeat things. We're commanded in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 to persevere in prayer. Don't just ask something one time and say, well, I asked one time. I guess it's not the Lord's will. No. Persevere in prayer. And then Matthew chapter 7, we're told to ask, seek, and knock. Again, knock implies persistence. So this doesn't mean that we don't repeat things. It means we just don't vainly repeat things. We just don't say things in prayer because that's what we've heard a elder or a deacon say in prayer in the church for our entire life. You don't repeat things just because you heard other people say them. No, prayer is about your communion with God so we don't just repeat things just to be saying them. Instead, we pour out our heart before the Lord. Verse 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. We hope to dig into this a little bit more as we go. But what's the purpose of prayer then? God's sovereign and God's will is going to be done. And what good does prayer do? Well, we hope to answer that question for you. But one of the most important aspects of prayer, especially from the way that we approach it in our perspective, is that we're not praying to obligate God to do what we want him to do. One of the most important perspectives of prayer is that we are resigning ourselves to God's will. Each time we pray, we are becoming more and more conformed to the will of God. And we submit to God's will. Why? Because God knows what things we need before we ask him. But notice, he knows what things we need, not what things we want. You know, we, we want God to just give us what we want. <laughs> we want him to give us our wish list. But our God is just so good and loving to us that he doesn't give us what we want. To quote the great theologian Garth Brooks, <laughs> we thank God for unanswered prayers. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've prayed a prayer thinking I needed something, but it wasn't a need, it was a want. And God was gracious to not give it to me. We need to be conformed to God's will. Next time, we will enter into the model prayer and embark on the manner in which disciples ought to pray. We hope God will bless our consideration of prayer and will bless you to be more fervent and more devoted in your secret devotion to God and enter in that closet and commune with our God in prayer. May God bless you today.
If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.